Is your faith facing the fire? Are you under the gun? You know, faith is tested in the fires of life. And in Daniel chapter 3, we're going to look at the fiery furnace and our faith facing the fire. And we're going to see a grand display of biblical faith and a great definition of what faith really is. And it's today on Walk in Truth. You're listening to the teachings of Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get to today's message, we want to let you know that this is a listener-supported ministry. For your gift of any size, we would like to give you the free DVD, Dark Dangers of the Occult. Call with your gift at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Verse 4 says, Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. Now Babylon is a world empire at this point. Remember the multi-metallic image in Daniel 2 represents world-dominant empires. So when you move from Babylon to the Medo-Persian Empire uh, and, and on down to Greece and Rome, you're talking about empires that ruled the world. If you think about empires that dominated the world, you can really go back to Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, and then you, you get to kind of the idea of the A.D. dates, and then you kind of circle back up with Rome and, and on throughout history. So what you're looking at in this uh, scene is a world-dominant empire that is dominated by war and taken captives and slaves from many peoples, many tribes, many tongues, many nations are in captivity in Babylon, not just Israel. Even though Israel's 70-year Babylonian captivity was prophesied, they are not the only nation in captivity under Babylon. So you have to think about it as a dominant world empire with multitudes of slaves from many different tribes, tongues, and nations that are there. They're in some sort of bondage, serving Babylon, serving the king. There they are. The command is given from peoples, two peoples, from nations, men of every language. There it goes. Revelation 13, 7 and 8 says, It was given to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. Authority over every tribe and people and tongue or language and nation was given to him. That's the Antichrist. And all who dwell on the earth will worship him, Revelation 13, 7 and 8. Everyone whose name has not been written from the foundation of the world in the book of life of the Lamb who has been slain. It would appear that Nebuchadnezzar has decided to set up a world religion wherein you must bow to his God, whether it represents his God or his image or a combination therein, because you are a slave to him and he is the king, and so you're going to bow. And so can you imagine the sight? A huge colossal statue, 90 feet high, all of gold, a sea of humanity strewn across a plain, a band about to start a song, and the command is given, every one of you who serve the king of Babylon, hear this. When the band begins to play, you better hit the dirt. That's the command. And it goes out. 
In fact, it says, at the moment, verse 5, you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music. You are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. Hear ye, hear ye. This is what you are to do the moment you hear the first sound from the band. You are to hit the deck in front of this golden idol. And to read a little bit more of the fine print in the contract. Whoever does not fall down, verse 6, and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. <sighs> Maybe right there they hit a, some of those fans. What are those little fans? Thing. <sighs> oh. Now, if you were a person who had been thinking about your religious persuasions recently... Maybe you were an Israelite who knew, you know, I think Exodus 20 says something about, uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no gods before me. Commandment, not suggestion. Commandment number two, you shall not make an idol to bow down to it. This is what you would learn in Sabbath school. Every, every Friday evening and into Saturday, these are the commands. They're the top ten. They're the first two of the top ten. But the fire looks pretty fiery. It's one thing to talk in a Bible study about the bravery of these three young men. It's one thing to say, yeah, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What's their names again? Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Yeah, taking a stand until the fire of the flames are leaping in your pupils. Ever been there before? Ever had a theoretical conversation in a Bible study about, yeah, I take a stand for my faith, and then been confronted in a moment where all you felt like you could do is say, Mary had a little lamb, little lamb, little. <laughs> I mean, you know, when, when this stuff hits real life, it's a little different than a Bible study, right? When your job's on the line, when when somebody, you know, when you're facing whatever your fire may be tonight, and the command is clear, you are to bow when the band plays. And suddenly the awesome silence is broken with the sound of many instruments. And people, oh, you, you bet they couldn't wait to hit the deck because, look, the devil said it well, skin for skin. All that a man has will he give in exchange for his life. Right? The, the idea of human preservation. Look, we all want to live. And think of this sea of humanity. The moment the band begins to play, they all hit the deck in waves, almost like dominoes over the plain of Dura. But in the middle of the sea of humanity, three figures, three. How many people do you think were out there? Thousands? I'd say at least thousands. Hundreds of thousands, possibly. Three, probably teenagers, won't bow. And they must have stuck out 
like the proverbial sore thumb, right? Can you imagine? Everybody goes down there, you're... <laughs> you might want to... Why? I want to be five foot five right now. <laughs> so I, I could look like I'm kneeling, but I'm standing. And everybody goes down. In the middle of the sea humanity, three figures stood up, stood out, stood alone, and stood firmly. They would not bend their knee. Nations, men of every language, fell down, and they worshiped the image, verse 7, of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. As soon as they heard the sound of the band, the people hit the deck. They were men, they were peoples, nations, men of every language. They fell down. They worshiped the golden image that the king had set up. They were obedient. And for this reason, at the time, certain Chaldeans, another way of saying Babylonians, came forward and brought charges against the Jews. They accused the Jews. Verse 8, the word accuse means to slander with malicious accusation, to devour literally to accuse somebody piece by piece. We just studied this in, on Sunday in James 4. And they responded and they said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You yourself, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, all kinds of music is to fall down and worship the golden image. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. You can see Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what I said. Therefore, there are, actually, there are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the administration. We have a little bit of problem with that, but we'll talk about that later. You almost wonder if the 90-foot colossal statue was to set up the demise of the Jewish young men by jealous people in the administration who thought, Oh, they've risen above us, but there's a way to deal with them because we know they won't bow to idols. Hey, Nebuchadnezzar, what do you think about this idea, boss? A 90-foot colossal statue in the midst of the plain of Dura. Everybody gathers, everybody bows, and there you are. We'll fan you, we'll feed you some grapes, king. It'll be a great banner day. What do you think? But behind that, it might have been, you know, if we build this thing, those three guys that just rose above us on the company ladder, we know they won't bow. And guess what? It's, guess what? It's an easy way to get rid of them, just like in Daniel 6 when the decree goes out that you can't pray to anybody except the king for 30 days. They knew Daniel wouldn't stop praying. These men that you appointed over the administration uh, of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, Rack, Shack, and Benny, if you've watched Veggie Tales before, how many of you saw the VeggieTales version of this? Oh, it's just must viewing. But anyway, these men, O king, have disregarded you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. They don't honor you, king. Now, in VeggieTales version of Rag, was it Rag, Shack, and Benny? The boss decides that he's going to, he has a chocolate bunny factory. This is tremendous biblical insight right here. And everybody's working in the factory and he starts a song about the bunny. You got to sing the bunny song. The bunny, the bunny. Ooh, I love the bunny. That's kind of how it goes. Anyway, <laughs> Pastor Michael. <laughs> 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. But first, what do you know about the occult? In the month of October, the number one theme is Halloween. Houses are decorated and kids drag their parents to the store to get the costume they want to wear for their holidays trick-or-treat night. There are those that take the holiday on a darker path. What do you know about the occult? People are often fascinated with it, but it is far from innocent. It is dangerous. God warned his people in the Bible to understand what it is and have nothing to do with it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is a DVD available to you this month by Pastor Michael Lance. The video includes teachings and interviews that will help expose the occult for what it is and shine the light of Christ's power over it. Dark Dangers of the Occult is available as a thank you when you give a donation of any size in support of Walk in Truth. Call 844-48-TRUTH today. That's 844-48-TRUTH. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. This is tremendous biblical insight right here. And everybody's working in the factory and he starts a song about the bunny. You got to sing the bunny song. The bunny, the bunny. Ooh, I love the bunny. That's kind of how it goes. Anyway, <laughs> Pastor Michael, <laughs> what is this veggie tale stuff? My kids grew up in that generation. Anyway, never mind. So in the story, they refuse to sing the bunny song, and that's what gets them in trouble. It's a, it's a depiction of this story. And so they say, they don't serve you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image. They've disregarded you, verse 12, inflammatory language. They don't serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Well, they got all that right. They would not bow down. It's a striking picture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego standing in defiance to the king's command. A huge crowd See if humanity has bowed down. What do you think the conversation was like with a couple people right next to them who were bowing and looking up at them? Hey, what are you doing? If ever there was a time of peer pressure, it's now. Everybody else has bowed. Maybe somebody whispers next to you, what are you doing? Another one says, just bow down, they'll kill you. Didn't you see the furnace of fire there? Another one adds, look, Everyone else is doing it. Didn't you watch the commercial? Whatever happens in Babylon stays in Babylon. This is the time when one would be tempted to rationalize temporary disobedience. Amen. When we are facing the fires uh, in our lives, in our time, when we're put to the test, will we obey or rationalize? And we're going to have the voices that say, just bow down. It's not a big deal. Maybe something like this. Well, certainly God would understand. He can't want us to die here in Babylon. How about this? I'm going to bow now because I know God will forgive me. How about this? The Babylonians don't understand our Bible and our ways. And we don't want to offend them. It may hinder us from reaching them. So we'll bow. How about this one? I'll bow on the outside, but I'll be standing on the inside. Oh, I'm sure you could add to the list of excuses that we all make when we face our fires and we justify our sin, right? Oh, well, God will understand. I'm sure it's not that big of a deal if I break a command or two or three right now. 
How many times have I stood in the fire of compromise and rationalized? How many commands have we broken for convenience or because of compromise for less, much less than this? I'm sure that none of us have faced a literal furnace of fire, but we've all faced times when it felt like the heat was on. In this situation, this discussion at the company, should I chime in right now? Should I tell them what I believe about this ethically, morally? Should I tell them that I believe in Jesus Christ even though they're going to mock me? Should I stand up for unborn babies right now or should I make a stand for uh, what I believe is the proper ethic even though they will marginalize me in this setting, in this context? We all have to ask ourselves, and I think this is what this sermon is about. Which God is God? Who is your God? Whom will you serve? That's what this is about. So I want to put something else before you that I think you've probably thought about, but here's this. If they would have compromised temporarily, would God have forgiven them? I'm sure he would have. But they would have missed something. What would they have missed? The miracle of God's intervening presence. See, when we compromise what we miss, what we often miss, let me fix this for a second, is we miss the beauty and majesty of God showing up to empower us in the fire. And look, I'm standing up here to tell you that I've, I've experienced both. I've experienced times when I've compromised and times when, by God's grace, I was able to stand and experience the beauty of his glory in the midst of the fiery trials. Peter says, Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. If you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. That's 1 Peter 4, 12 through 14. Don't be surprised when you face your own fiery ordeal because the spirit of God will in a special way rest upon you when you take your stand in the fire. But not everybody will be pleased. And Nebuchadnezzar, verse 13, was enraged. In rage and anger, he gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then these men were brought before the king. Get them before me now. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning of what? Wisdom and knowledge. And the question that you're going to have to wrestle with, and I'm going to have to wrestle with tonight, is who do I fear? Do I fear man? Jesus said, don't fear him who can kill the body. And after that, he has no power over you. Fear him who can ruin both soul and body in hell. That's Matthew 10, 28. That's what Jesus said. That's not what I'm saying. That's what Jesus said. Nebuchadnezzar had a pride problem. And he responded and said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Is the story that I'm hearing about you actually true? 
Surely we just have a little misunderstanding here. <laughs> Maybe it's a failure for us to communicate. Maybe you didn't get the email. Maybe the text was corrupted. I don't know. But let's try this again. Now, if you're ready, at the moment you hear the sound of the horn flute, verse 15, lyre, trigon, psaltery, and bagpipe, all kinds of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made very well. Let's give this a second try. I just elevated you guys in my cabinet. I like you guys. You guys are nice fellows. You came over from Israel. You know, your buddy's good at dream interpretation. Hey, I understand. You can see the angry smile. I, I understand. <laughs> Ruining my day, my dedication, and my statue. But we'll try again. We'll play the music. We'll hit the play button one more time. But you're going to bow. And if you don't worship the statue, you will immediately be cast into the midst of the furnace of blazing fire. And what God is there who can deliver you out of my hands? Whoa. Uh-oh. I'm not sure if... Uh, this comes to your recollection, but other Mesopotamian kings have said similar things like, who among all the gods of these lands has delivered their land from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Uh, Isaiah 36, 20, taunting the God of Israel. Let me just say to you, it's a very bad career move to taunt the God of heaven. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows to, that he will also reap. Galatians 6, 7. Don't mock God. It's a dangerous game to play. The devil often whispers to us, maybe the second time around, are you ready now to bow? Is it really worth it to go through all of this? And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter, NIV. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. We don't even have to answer you. Why do you think they said that? Because Nebuchadnezzar already knew who these guys were, what God they served. He already had had Daniel interpret the dream. He already knew, he had to know by now, that they refused to eat from his delicacies in chapter 1. They refused his meat and his wine. He knew that they were committed to the God of Israel. So they said to him, you know who we are, in essence. Isn't it obvious that we serve the God of Israel? Should people at our office or in our family really have to ask us? Okay, once the music plays again, you will bow now, right? No. You already know I'm a Christian, right? You already know what I stand for. You can play that song 77 more times and I'm not going to bow. And I think that's what they're saying. It's an it's a important insight to know that there were three of them. Because I think it's easier to stand when others are standing with you. Amen. But I heard Walter Martin one time say, if you have to stand alone, God will help you make that stand. Walter Martin one time said, if you have the love of people and you're in the ministry and you're a preacher, thank God for that. But he said in his incredible style, 
but you don't need it. Because if God asks you to stand alone, here's my question, will you stand? And I'll tell you, I so appreciate the body of Christ because I appreciate having brothers and sisters standing with me. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12, write it down. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. But woe to the one who falls when there is not another to lift him up. Furthermore, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? And if one can overpower one who is alone, two can resist him. Listen, a cord of three strands is not what? Easily broken or quickly torn apart. A cord of what? Three strands. How many men are standing here? There are three standing together. If it be so, verse 17, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Hey, listening family, it's Pastor Michael. I want to tell you another exciting thing about walkintruth.com. It's the store that's there. There's some great products up there on some intriguing subjects available in CD and DVD format. When you purchase one of those products, you actually support the radio ministry and help us reach out to more people like you. It's walkintruth.com. Click on the store, check it out, get a product, and you'll be partnering with us in the gospel ministry. We appreciate you. We love you. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, encouraging you to reach out with God's truth to all people.